We Are The Weather is lovingly assembled on the Anchor podcast platform. Episode 5 of We Are The Weather is entitled Let There Be Light. Hi everyone, how have you been? It's been a bit tricky, hasn't it? I've got a beautiful episode and a lovely interview coming up for you later with Dave Moss, uh, who's from the band Light Garden. So we're going to start with a beautiful song by them. uh, And the performers in this song are Dave himself, the composer, Masha Kaysner, Rob Calhoun, and Dave McKeown. The Old Red Rowan. Listen to the words now. Idling around, seeing worlds from the inside out and the outside in getting lost in the downsides, rising on the upsides, tumbling through the times, it all seems upside down. These are the times, these impossible times Terrifying times, beautiful times For letting go of all that I know And that old red rowan just remembers to grow Between the journey and the goal The walk from the shop to home Just that moment before we speak Can change it all Change what the world hears In these times, impossible times Terrifying times, beautiful times For letting go certainly are impossible times and terrifying times and yet in many ways beautiful times the lyrics of that song were dwelling on me for a little while actually and which is why I included it at the the beginning of this particular episode Uh, we'll be hearing a lot more from the work of David Moss and Light Garden later on so there's a song about the old Red Rowan 
and a red rowan tree. Um, they're interesting things, rowan trees. Uh, I'm not even sure if uh, this was known by the uh, the composer at the time, but they are the bane of witches, apparently. Uh, they're also the diviner of the future, because you can get divining rods from their branches, apparently. And a producer of a particularly tart jam. Well, there you go. Um, it's fair to say that when I asked uh, David if he'd join me for this interview that uh, he didn't really know what he was letting himself in for. I mean, I'm not sure that I knew what I was letting myself in for. I haven't actually done many interviews yet, um, except just one or two very short ones for the episode on uh, Shed Community. So this is a little bit of a step into the unknown, and uh, I had quite a professional little background set up on our Zoom meeting. And I think as soon as... Uh, uh, David saw what he'd let himself into. He was a little bit aghast. And uh, when we uh, when we started the interview and I played a, a beautiful song of his recorded in a church, he listened and he listened and he wasn't sure what it was. And then all of a sudden there was a little gasp of delight as he realised what it was. Or maybe it was a gasp of, well, I don't know, it was a gasp anyway. You make your mind up what kind of gasp it was. But it was an absolute delight and... Uh, I think we'll wait no more and we'll go straight into this beautiful interview with my friend David Moss. And you know what happens on old computers when you press record, don't you? Everything Ooh. goes horribly bang straight away. Now I'm going to share the screen and if I manage to press the right buttons, we should be able to hear something in a minute. I could say so many things about David Moss, uh, but I'm just going to play this and then uh, you'll know a lot as I do. So here we go. Well, the one about the blind man and the sky, if anybody's got an idea for a more concise title, I'd like to do this. Tear 
Isn't it difficult to listen to that without humming along, isn't it? <laughs> uh, that's absolutely beautiful. I'll come out of screen sharing if I can. That was a song, if I'm not incorrect, called The Blind Man in the Sky from Songs from Sacred Spaces, 2005. David Moss, I bet you forgot it was 2005, didn't you, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Speechless. Blind yeah. me or Ryan, I've not heard that for donkeys. Yeah, we did actually play that a little bit more recent, not very recently, it must be about five or six years ago since I've been involved with that song, but blimey, wow, it all came back. Thank you. I'm, uh, I mean, I, I remember talking to you about... Um, recording that um when you know we were having one of our many conversations about uh music and how that makes you feel and bits and bobs in the past when we've had uh you know a, a cup of cup of coffee and a chat late into the evening uh and talks about energy and all good things in the universe uh and i remember you saying to me you said i was do you know how long it took me to uh to rehearse to do that gig which was all recorded in a church and you said it was something like it was bloody hours all on my own in a room practicing every bit. Something like three months, I remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, David, thanks ever so much for joining me. Look, David is a very, very dear friend of mine. I love him dearly. We haven't seen each other much this year because of everything that's been going on. And this episode, this is going to be episode five of We Are the Weather. I want, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it exactly, but it's going to be something like Let There Be Light or Then There Was Light because some of us have lost people and others have been suffering and others have been bewildered and we're all bloody confused. Nobody knows quite what the hell's going on, <laughs> but I'll shut up for a minute and I'll just say, welcome friend. How are you? Just like you've just described, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good to see you. If only that big. Oh, am I on a phone? What's my on or is it on your, no, no, you're, you're on my, you're on my laptop, but I just mean generally. On, I'm very little. Usually well, people don't say I'm that little. You're, Usually you're littler than you really are. You're about six foot eight, aren't you? <laughs> That's all I meant. Six five. Six five. Yeah. Six Whoa. five. Well, you sound you sound clear as a bell. Thank you ever so much. It's 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 um it's lovely to hear your voice. How's oh, things going? You caught up with some lovely. You've got what well, I see one one lovely young man in a family and many many girls, isn't it? As I recall, <laughs> well, many, many girls. Yeah, lots of daughters and things like that. Yeah. things like that <laughs> yeah that's good that, that explains it pretty well i think things like that it does it for me yeah how are they oh they're all good yeah they're all bimbling along doing their amazing things i was um now see i've got so many things here uh dave which i wrote down just just as just as little um reminders now the reason that this is this is sort of let let there be light uh david is a very fine musician he's a artist a light worker with energies and all things wonderful in the world. When in uh, moments of people's lives, like so, so many people are uh, at the moment seeing this mass confusion, sensory overload currently, uh, we need to let a little bit of light in. David and, and his uh, lovely partner, Masha, have done that for me in the past. Um, you know, when I've had some difficult moments in my life. In fact, when we first met, um, we knew nothing at all about uh, music uh, with the, in each other's lives. We met at Nam, didn't we? We met at we did uh, Nick's place in Holt Studio. Exactly, and and um, that was us doing what we do best, which is fighting other people's worthy causes. But uh, no, so the first time I met uh, David, he was there in this in in this uh, room. We were all meeting to have a, a photo shoot and to try and uh, keep this building from being demolished. And uh, oh, that's true because you did you did some of your chanting didn't you canto armonico si amigo <laughs> si amigo and and it was it was um utterly beautiful because the acoustics in that uh, in that room were magic was it based on something to do with abbey road acoustics he said yeah i think so i don't know quite how you do that when you're building a big concrete building but something clever happened and the alchemy worked yeah yeah, yeah. so listen what's um what's going on in your life friend as for the, the bigger picture, I mean, I had lots of musical plans for 2020 at the start of the year, as I think probably most musicians did. Things have actually worked out, but in a wibbly-wobbly weird way. I mean, I've, I've turned my attention to painting, really, which was my other creative outlet. Um, but the first lockdown provided 
the first opportunity to spend six or seven hours with a piece of paper or canvas or whatever and a bunch of paints and just immerse myself so completely in it that I forgot to eat and do anything else. You know, I've never had that opportunity for a very long time. So, oh, hey, look at that. <laughs> look, look, look at me and my, uh, and my newly found Zoom oh, skills, look. Oh, blimey, mate. For the benefit of those who, as the, uh, the song at the beginning would suggest, cannot see. But uh, we're looking at David's uh, Moss Arts. So it's Moss Arts. David Moss Paintings is, uh, I believe, what you look for on Facebook. Is. is that right? Yeah, the, the, the green gardeny ones were all this year. The, the, the beach cliff ones were all the ones I've dug out recently. I've just started, started going through the archives of what I've got left from what I painted a long time ago. So I'm quite chuffed with these. I've done quite a few of these just this just in the last couple of weeks. Is this midwinter solstice explorations yeah like it says a uh, dazzling winter light where you can't actually look because i've been painting in the garden and then i sort of found recently i can't actually paint in the garden because i can't see anything because the sun is so low and it's right in my eyes so i thought well let's just paint that <laughs> oh i see now you um it's a strange thing because when i was brought up in in uh in london i didn't have uh Obviously, we hear of the solstice, and we all know about Stonehenge and all these kind of things. But the solstice, as such, was not a uh, a celebratory uh, time in my childhood calendar. Uh, but since I moved to Wiltshire, um, I discovered that just about everybody is into these um, celebrations, probably more so than they are about many of the more traditional ones. What does what does that mean to you then, solstice? Is this something you've always celebrated? No, it's not. But again, like you, maybe it's to do with the time and the age and things. Maybe it just seems to be coming more to the more to the fore. I mean, I was actually brought up going. I was dragged along to the the Church of England every week till I was about fifteen or sixteen. So I had a, which was a very gentle sort of thing. It wasn't sort of you know when it sort of banged into you and you know, believe this or go and burn in hell. It wasn't any of that. That was all. You know, it was, it was, it was oh, I've been strange. to a few of those. I've been to a few of those as well. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but somehow the, the the idea of the solstice and midwinter it's it's it, it's light it's 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 the same thing it's it's I, I think all these things are superimposed on on one another and you know i mean it's well known that christmas was superimposed on top of the old celtic fire festivals absolutely and most of our uh most of our musical friends uh would have i think just about all of our musical friends seem drawn to the to the Celtic, to the roots of it all. But um, that connection with light and letting the light in, um, the band, current band, are called Light Garden. I would consider you to be a light worker, um, and that's not someone who doesn't do much, by the way. Um, a, a light worker in my, in, in my book would be uh, somebody... <laughs> <laughs> you just got that, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, but there's other forms of energy. The universe is uh, is energy. We are energy. We're all energy. Uh, so there's this very complex and uh, bizarre but wonderful subject. So to me, when people talk about religion or anything in those lines, I talk about um, spirituality, the universe, and energy. How does that rhyme with you and chime with you? How does it chime? Well, it's it's to me, it's just the essence of everything that I was kind of brought up with. I mean, I do really feel and experience that this light is it's what is the somehow the true essence the true heart of all the major what have become religions tell me about um energy and healing yeah yeah no, i've been using the technique for a number of years which came to me via a massive weird sequence of coincidences yeah yeah i don't even whether to even call it healing it's more like balancing more like bringing your own energy system into a, a state of, well, where it needs to be, where it would naturally be if it's not messed up by concerns, fears, or <laughs> drinking too much or whatever. No one's going to come. I don't want to hear this, but I've never realised, just like yeah. listening to your voice, you, you've got a bit of Russell Brand going on in there, in a good way. I like Russell Brand. Thank you. I do. Not I do. quite as much as that, mate, but... He's a lovely, he's a lovely fella, isn't he? he and is. Yeah, he's he's adorable. I believe he's back in the UK actually, because I thought he was in uh, living in LA, but maybe he's escaped from LA for the reasons of what's been going on. 
what do you dip into most dave do you do you, are you uh youtube or are you uh your facebook dipper i mean i'm just talking dipper because i know you're not you're, you're no kind of social media addict I try not to be uh, yeah youtube quite a bit facebook i mean facebook's just become kind of feral this year it's just <laughs> not a pleasant place to be so i've actually sort of gone more a bit more over to instagram because that's kind of more just for the images uh, oh i i i hope i follow you i i was to say i'm i'm definitely a newbie to instagram i got involved during the election i think last year and just put up a few actually that's not true i did join instagram when it first came out i thought because it was all about photographs it was all based around images wasn't it yeah exactly i went for a walk and i joined instagram as i went for a walk and i took photographs as i went for a walk and then i didn't use instagram again because instagram at the time would only let you publish square photographs so that's the kind of person i am i think it still does yeah because i tried to put um yeah the other day i put this one on instagram sort of give gives you a section of the middle bit of it and yeah, see, now that's completely unacceptable because that it's is ideal, that's yeah. fucking with your art, if you excuse my expression. <laughs> it is, yeah. and, and that's not that's not fair. But I believe you can frame things uh, you can better of, now. You can squash them, yeah, yeah. You can you can sort of diminish their size to get things on. But when you've got something sort of long and thin like that, it just doesn't recognise that sort of slightly eccentric format. It like seems to be rectangular or something. yeah. It, it's or very it's very happy about giving you filters, but um, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah those because i've sort of done all that through the using my eyes and paints and inks and things so i have filtered this image using the medium of my brain exactamente and the light coming from the sky <laughs> and the shadows from the house <laughs> the shadows they come from all around i can't help but noticing the occasional not spat but the occasional uh post that causes interest that you might put out on facebook wow uh, uh, <laughs> because, because it's not it's not like you like to goad people you don't at all i think you put out things like me you put out things that you think are serious and that you agree with and uh, or are funny if they're you know genuinely funny and gonna make people feel good or, or something yeah. that's okay uh but there was one the other day with regards to fairy tale of new york <laughs> yeah that was bizarre go on talk us through that well i, I, I my my one of my lovely daughters bought me the a subscription to Nick Cave's uh, Red Hand Files last year, whereby people ask questions to Nick Cave and he, you get emails once a week with beautifully written, you know, the, the idea is you can just ask him anything and he'll, one or two of them, which I thought were pertinent. And I thought it's Christmas and there's this big thing about fairy tale in New York being censored by the BBC. Yeah. Obviously, no. You know. Well, the first, the first I heard of that is when you posted the... Um... The thing, so you see, that's how much that's how much radio and television I've been listening to. Well, me too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just I, I didn't know about it until I saw this Nick Cave thing, and he'd responded to what he felt about the censorship. It was particularly around the word faggot. Faggot, exactly. He doesn't. I mean, he he openly admits in the thing he doesn't know whether that's offensive to people or not. Or, but in the context, in the context of the song, which was written in what nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Um, God bless her, Kirsty. Yeah the absolute to me it's the the heart of the song you know it's this sort of and he i mean he he, he just nick cave describes it just so eloquently and beautifully along the lines of just don't you know mess with the the soul of a song and he just says it's what the bbc have done is neutered it basically and i i just wholeheartedly agree with him and coming from the point of view as a writer or artist or whatever you know i don't want anybody to fuck with my work for no now or the past i mean i work in collaboration with other artists and people and that's fine or if somebody covers a song or whatever and wants to reinterpret it a bit okay but for it to be censored like that is uh-uh you know that's that's big brother to me and i mean i started calling the bbc big brother communications because i mean that's the way it is at the moment i feel it's hey you're not wrong i, th I think um i don't know do you do you do you agree with this statement the bbc is an absolutely essential, potentially world-class, world-beating organisation that has seriously lost its way and is being controlled and having its strings pulled in strange directions. 100%. I think ah, that's exactly, exactly... I did well. It will exactly be that, what you described, a world-beating... And I think what I missed off the end... Yeah, what I missed off the end is that we cannot afford to lose it. And, and 
if we do, I, I, I don't see that we'll ever quite get it back. Right. Yeah. But I mean, if you sort of say things like this on Facebook, you just get hammered for it because people just, I mean, I, it's a weird one. I mean, I, I sort of realized probably five years ago, I was just listening to Radio 4 and it was mentioned there was a lot about global warming and climate change. And what stuck out for me was it was mentioned that the BBC would no longer give any airtime to anybody who denied the science of climate change. And I thought, well, that's not science, because science is an absolutely free, open exploration. As somebody very wise once said, science is a history of wrong ideas. You know, nobody's arguing now that Newton was absolutely correct in everything he came up with. He was brilliant. You know, nobody, nobody's saying now that Newton was wrong. But what is, what's come since has superseded. And that's the nature of science. You know, you can't sort of say this is science and this is how it is. So that just made me think, hang on a minute. What's going on here? That's not, that's not open. Whether you believe in climate change or not is not the issue. To shut down any open argument... Hang on a minute. So that's when I sort of started to get a little bit suspicious as to what it was doing. And I mean, this year it's just gone beyond, you know, there's just absolute shutdown of any counter arguments to... They've really uh, raised the scale, haven't they? They've really raised, I mean, they've lowered the bar and raised the scale at the same time. And um, it, it's got to a stage where um, you've got incredibly, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? In, not, not just intelligent, but uh, academics. So like doctors, uh, professors um, who will give an opinion and, and, and are removed from yes. it, it not being somehow either a, uh, one of these black or white they don't like anything except conflict what seems to be put forward is you have to be on that side or this side yeah exactly yeah there's just no place for intelligence really nuance there's no no place for questioning real questioning and every, every you know you listen to the D- today program and it's just you know it might as well say at the beginning sponsored by pfizer BioNTech. you oh, know <laughs> completely it's like what you know every question is just so loaded if somebody you know somebody's interviewed and they disagree you know they're not allowed to disagree they have to complete yeah it's just like having to completely defend a perfectly rational logical reasonable point of view on a scientific basis because i mean what we're being told is not 100 percent of the scientists like the climate change thing there are plenty of people eminent scientists climatologists etc who don't believe it's completely instigated by human activity the amount of trouble i got into for um push pushing so much but i was fascinated by this movie that um michael moore put out uh, called planet of the humans which i don't know are you familiar with that one? Oh, i've heard of it i've done it no i've actually okay I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link um well the thing about that one uh it was written um as a guy called jeff He'd been writing this over a long period of time. So this movie had been made since 2008. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, he was a tree-hugging, um, ecological, um, sensible sort of guy. He'd been brought up and he you had first guy to have solar panels, first guy to do this and whatever else. He'd gone to like solar festivals, music festivals, and, and he was just sort of noticing things going on behind the scenes, like the fact the solar festival was plugged into the grid and they had generators on board running biodiesel allegedly and things like that so this film started to be made he started to record this stuff back in 2008 a lot of the stats and things used were quite early but it was a timeline movie it was following up to the present day of where we're at with what it means to be green ecological renewable all of those things and that whole lobby this green lobby has now uh, on one side of it we all understand that if we can get energy from the sun and use precious few minerals and do whatever else or the wind this is a wonderful thing this this is this is awesome this is this is bringing the light to us all and mm. saving the planet and the future of mankind but there are people that see everything as a money-making opportunity this is the way that our planet exists mm. currently uh, and when a green future a renewable green future is seen. Renewable energy is burning forests. We're getting into Douglas Adams territory here. Uh, and, um, you know, adopting leaves as legal tender um, and then burning down all the forests because you run into an inflation problem. Um, and, and God bless him. He was right on so many fronts, Douglas. He was. <laughs> I love him to bits. Um, yeah. but, but this is, so this is what's happening. So all this movie was doing was pointing out that there is a problem 
if we are demolishing forests uh, and using thousands upon thousands of cubic meters of concrete, all of which take energy to produce, to create a wind power, thousands and thousands of rare earth minerals being used to, um, uh, to produce solar panels and things like that. Now, do I think solar panels are bad? Absolutely not. Do I, do I want to have an argument with anybody about um, you're some kind of conspiracy theorist because you're saying that wind and solar is bad? No, I'm not at all. I'm just saying you have to look at the big picture and what's actually happening. Exactly, yes. And you can't dispute any of the mainstream narrative now without being called a conspiracy theorist. Same with vaccines. You can't say, I mean, I'm not, I've got, I've been vaccinated against all sorts of things. But because I've questioned and said that, no, I'm absolutely not happy about mandatory vaccination one little bit. Suddenly I'm anti-vax. No, I'm not. I'm Have really you actually not. been accused? Have you actually been accused of being anti-vax by anyone? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, not, well, yeah, along with lots of other people who, who are question, just asking questions, you know, wanting to know. And this all buys into this, you have to be either on this side or that side argument, doesn't it? Exactly. Yes, it's an either or. And again, this one—it's well, divide and rule, isn't it? It's what's been going on since Machiavellian times. It is—it is the way the world works. You know, you—you you, you can't have any opinion which you, know, you sort of take wisdom from all places and sort of work your way through. That's because that doesn't sell newspapers. It doesn't sell the media. It doesn't sell vaccines. Follow the money. Exactly. That's that's exactly what you were saying. That's it. Exactly. So it's like, um, you know, if you're talking about well, what you're going on about the vaccine or whatever, well, hold on, well, let's start that conversation with which vaccine are you talking about kind of thing, you know, and, and let's have a conversation about this. And then what is your gut feeling about your circumstances? Because let's be frank, nothing else matters. If you're having a general conversation uh, with somebody like we are here, for example, uh, and you say, look, David, how do you feel about the Pfizer vaccine? And you go, OK, well, I don't know anything about it. But um, if I was forced to have it, I wouldn't have it. Quite. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's a perfectly reasonable and rational. If I was forced to have any vaccine, I mean, being forced to is immediately a very good reason not to have it. <laughs> I would have thought. I mean, it's common sense, isn't it? Somebody comes along and says, you have to have this. Uh, uh, why? Completely. <laughs> well, you know, the light, the light that I want to let in uh, to this conversation uh, and many others is that um, we have this incredible set of neuro pathways and uh, vagus nerve network within our within our body which tells us things um and uh not in the slightest bit woo woo it's all absolute biology and science now we don't understand it ch children we really don't but <laughs> but it's there nonetheless so um when you feel a certain way when something makes you feel a certain way it's because your body is uh, reacting to something your uh, your previous memories you could be triggered by something that sets off chemical things going on in your various parts of your body which then in turn gives you a stomach ache or a headache or makes you feel sick or wonderful or elated or any of those things but it's it's not woo woo it's it's all here so it's all here in our bodies and we need to we need to trust it more uh, and we don't need to come down one side or the other in argument and have massive arguments and then come off the phone having slammed it down, which I must say, I'm sorry, I haven't slammed it down, but there has been the odd conversation I've had in, and I love my mum to bits, but sometimes she goes, oh, did you hear about such and such happening from all these people coming over from wherever? Uh, and and I go, um, Ma, probably not a good time to talk about it, but if you want to, we could go off on this tangent or that tangent and we could talk about it seriously. But the trouble is, it's all the stimulus that comes in from everywhere, isn't it? Well, it's just people who listen to the news too much, mostly, isn't it? I mean, if you switch it all off, you can actually go into yourself, as you've just described, and realise what your truth is and trust that. You know, people have forgotten about trusting themselves. The Bob Dylan song, if you want somebody you can trust, trust yourself. Because otherwise we go, we go in the other horrible direction, which is um, I saw um, actually somebody who I, I like, love very much, who's a music promoter uh, not too far away, who posted something and it was an, a George Orwell quote. Uh, and it was a very, very apt one. It was on, that was on Facebook the other day. And I thought, yeah, you know, I completely agree with that, but I'm not going there today. I have to turn this off now and I have to walk in the other direction. Exactly. Uh, because I think that is what we're talking about. It's where things are going otherwise. 
I think it's where things have gone if we're not very, very, well, yeah, we've just got to be very, very aware, awake. Spread the light. Just find your own light. Go within yourself. Find your own treasure and do what you possibly can to put it out there. Because we really are blessed with our own treasure, aren't we? Oh, completely. It's all in there. You know, the, the what was it, Rumi said? The, you know, we're not a drop in the ocean. We are the ocean. It's boundless massiveness. He didn't quite say it like that, but you get the idea. That, was, that wasn't a direct quote then. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. You've been involved, listen, Dave, you've been involved with so many uh, musical projects over the years. Um, you were very... Um, very kindly uh, gave me some of your early uh, early work with Bonoffi, which I've listened oh. to, which I absolutely love. I think more recently you've been described as what weird folk. I mean, I don't like any descriptor. Look, and so when we were when we were talking about energy and stuff earlier, uh, I know that you are a practitioner of something that's referred to as Ereka, uh, and that and that um, I have come into your circle of allocation, and, and honestly, I just call it energy balancing. It's like uh, trouble is and. Sorry, I was just saying what happens there is it's not me doing it or anybody else doing it to you. It's you finding it within yourself via it being facilitated. It is all within you. We've all got this. It just needs unlocking somehow. And the, uh, yeah, exactly. And the, um, so it comes down to giving something a name. All right. If, um, if you, it always comes down to giving something a name, in my opinion. Um, so when you meet somebody on the street and it's a beggar uh, and a beggar or something, and you go up to this person and you go, hello, mate, how you doing? You all right? So I just thought, George, do you mind if I just sit down and have a chat? That's lovely, right? That's, that's beautiful. And if, if you're connecting with that person, they'll realize that you're connecting on a human level. You're giving them the power of your attention, which is something, the most valuable gift anyone can give at Christmas, by the way is the power of your attention to another. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. But if you say to them, now look, uh, did you know that in Matthew 2, they say whatever, what tends to happen is you're automatically creating a potential screen in someone that from their nature and nurture might have thought, I, I'm not into that. So I refer to my God as the universe, uh, and I wouldn't actually call it the universe because that would put a lot of people off too. I'd just say, well, you know, it's all around us. It's energy. It's all this stuff. Ereka is another name. Ereka is a name that refers to, well, you, you just give us a brief description so I don't oh, step on anything Ereka here. As a word, doesn't mean anything at all. It's an acronym, I-R-E-C-A. Uh, Instituto Ricertia Energia Cosmica Applicata, or something like that. It's, it's uh, instituting to research into applications of what you'd call cosmic energy. But then, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm unhappy with the label cosmic energy because I mean that immediately makes it sound like Whoa. yeah that's right. Hey, now, why is everyone turned around and walked away? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else can you call it? Because I mean, the thing is, what you've said, you can't name it. It no. is the unnameable thing. Yeah. You, you can call it cosmic energy. You can call it God. You can call it essence. You can call it by any millions of names. But every single one of those names is going to put somebody off somewhere. So it's probably just better not to try naming it at all. Just life. <laughs> it's true and yet it's the first thing that everybody picks on uh mm. it's, it's exactly the same reason um if you like that um uh, do you look this, this is look this is a this is a reach perhaps but it's, to me it's exactly the same reason why um the black lives matters movement for example uh has such incredible power behind it but as soon as there was any leader or some name that could be associated with it it would be another martin luther king moment and it wouldn't end well. Well, there will be no ending, hopefully, of any kind. And we will all just develop and incrementally improve, as I like to think is the, is the right way to go. But this name thing, I've come across, it, it keeps coming back to me, David. Wherever people start putting a name to something, everything starts to go to crap. And it's such yeah. a shame because so much is lost. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're dead right. I mean, you mentioned Bonoffi a few minutes ago. I mean, that was my first band and we hated the name. <laughs> <laughs> 11 long years we were just named after a fucking tea coffee pudding <laughs> that's where it came from was it literally Absolutely. in fact oh <laughs> how fortuitous 23rd of december today is the birthday of the guy i originally founded it with back in about 1993 or something ray perry bless his heart he's possibly still alive somewhere on the planet last time i heard he was in portugal but he was a dodgy geezer but what a performer you know star quality amazing performer just got a bit bored with the rest of us because we weren't 
uh, into all his dodgy stuff. <laughs> was he a little bit woo, a little bit woo, was he? Uh, a very, very funny guy and amazing performer. And today is his birthday, I do remember that. So Ray Perry, wherever you are, happy birthday, amigo. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. But yeah, we got stuck with the name, because that's right, his girlfriend had made a Bonoffi pie and we ate it one night and said, well, what are we going to call ourselves? Well, let's call ourselves Bonoffi pie. We'd had a few pints. And then it sort of went out on the on the Whitby network where we were and word travels fast in a small town. And, you know, we did about three gigs in the next couple of weeks or whatever. And then all of a sudden we were known as Bonoffi Pie and that was that. It was close to Whitby where um, Songs to Sacred Spaces was recorded, wasn't it? Wasn't oh, that? Oh, Glazedale. That's right. Well, that's where I lived for a lot of years, yeah. About, yeah, 10 miles inland in the, in the North York Moors. Well, that was the first time I'd ever tried overtone chanting in public. Oh. <sighs> And so I was kind of thinking it, I probably didn't want to do it in a sort of smelly, noisy pub. So I asked a local vicar if I could borrow his church. And he said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And, uh, yeah, we'd split Benoffi at that point. So it was the first solo gig I'd done ever. Um, it was, yeah, about eight months after Benoffi had packed in. So there was still a lot of momentum there from the, the Benoffi fan base. So they all turned up in force and went, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Oh wow! So so because I mean that's I mean look that's why that's why I picked that um, particular um, track because to me well not just the track but I, I listen to that in the car quite a lot because um, to me it's um, uh, that what you were saying at the beginning about you know the months that went into it this is this is somebody who was uh, literally saying look I've done all this stuff here goes. And, and the acoustic in that building was beautiful. And I believe you had a friend that just happened to have a very good quality recorder handy. Alan Hutchinson, absolutely. Yeah. It, I mean, I didn't know it was being recorded. That was the beauty of it. So, you know, there was no nerves in that respect. I mean, I was incredibly nervous else about the, the whole thing. You know, it was, you know, it was that thing about stepping out of your comfort zone. I just, you know, every so often you've just got to do that and go somewhere that, like David Bowie famously said, you know, just get yourself in the water when you can't quite touch the bottom. That's That's about where you are. It was one of those moments for me, yeah. That's lovely. I've not I've not heard that before. Now, listen, you you are I don't know. I I suspect I might be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, that in 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 day to day life you would be quite a reserved and actually probably a bit of a nervous, maybe even a shy person, and yet you're a performer. <laughs> You've got me there, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hang on. Okay. Well, in which case, absolute love and power to you for doing this because I, I could tell at the beginning I put you on the spot a bit and I thought oh my god I don't want to put my friend on the spot I love him and, I, and I'm being really unprofessional anyway because I'm not I'm not a professional in any respect of, at this but you I'm, are. you're a natural Dan natural 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 warmth natural beauty so thank you how does your how would you say to somebody that is hiding away and has something wonderful to say because believe me, you've said a lot. Not only you do it with your actions, your words, your music, your everything. Uh, I'm sure your family would say the same. They might say other things too. I haven't talked to them that closely. <laughs> yeah. Oldest daughter tells me I'm having a midlife crisis sort of every year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, just your, from your perspective, did you spend years and years and years by yourself singing into a mirror thing, one day I'm going to do this, or were you playing stuff thinking one day I could do this, and then I, there's absolutely no way I'll do this because I'm petrified of it? What's your experience? I was pushed into it because, well, back to Ray Perry again, the guy I founded Bonoffi with originally, because I say when he finally got completely bored of the rest of us not going along with all his schemes, he left and joined another band, formed another band, but we still had a load of gigs to do. And there was me and two others, that's right. No, one other. No, no, I can't remember how it worked out. Anyway, I was pushed <laughs> to the front of the stage because I was the only one that was, I mean, I'd sort of co-written, well, written quite a lot of the songs as well. Well, the others were like, well, I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing, so it's up to you. So Muggins was shoved to the front of the stage, and that was the first time I was actually in the position of front man, and I was fucking terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it. That was no. I mean, I like. I love to leap around and play the fiddle, and you know, you know, way in the background. But oh, you know, can I just say to people who are listening, it has to be seen. David with his violin, because David plays many instruments. But David with his violin is a man in his element. He dances oh. and prances, and um, it's a, it's it's a sight to behold. Well, you can't not. I mean, if you're playing that instrument, I mean, that's that's why I fell out of. I mean, my 
parents tried to shove me into orchestras and things when I was about 13, 14. My teacher, my violin teacher, stopped giving me lessons and refused to teach me because I just didn't want to do the sort of sitting there bowing in the same direction as everybody's because I couldn't do it. I was, I was crap. I just couldn't make my bow go that way and that way if somebody told me to. So my mum said, well, do you want to actually carry on playing the instrument? I said, yeah, I love the instrument. I really do, but I don't know what I want to do with it. So bless them, they found me another teacher who said, OK, you don't have to do any more grades or anything. You can just... So he gave me some sort of a bit of tuition in sort of gypsy stuff, a bit of jazzy stuff, a bit of other interesting stuff. And it was like, oh, yeah. And then, oh, by then I discovered Irish folk as well. So, I mean, that's what absolutely grabbed me. So, I mean, I was just like, as soon as I was away, I was oh, into sessions. I started busking then as well. I moved up to Edinburgh and, to make some money, I busked on Prince's Street and found little old ladies would dance up and down and say, oh, oh, you remind me of my late husband. He played the fiddle. Oh, oh thank you so much, slutty. Oh, great. So I was just amazed. My, my mum was horrified because she was, oh, it's usual you're begging, you're begging. It's, it's awful. It's like, no son of mine kind of thing. It's like, oh, mum, for goodness sake. I mean, I was making, I was raking the cash in. <laughs> it's like, whoa. I mean, so, do you know, going back to instruments there, when, when I, um, I always wanted to be able to play it, all I wanted to do, and this is it, as a kid, was I want to play a 12-bar blues on a double bass and Ooh. I'll be happy forever, ever, ever. That's all I ever wanted to do. I got an opportunity to have a double bass lesson in my um, secondary school in Pimlico in London, which had a great music department. And my sister was already known there to, for being a, a good musician. So they thought, ah, oh, we've got another younger Mai here. He'll be good. We'll get him in yes. the orchestra in no time. And uh, in I went, double bass in hand. I thought, hmm, feels good. And he gave me a bow. And I said, what's that? they don't want one of those i want to play like pits you know pit like this and and i sort of did the movements like this and he said "Uh, no he said that's not what we do here and that was my last ever lesson on that instrument i did play i did pick up the electric bass a bit bit later on and and went from there but yeah so i think uh, you've got the movement there dan i sure i think if you just sort of do that with the double bass in your hand you'll be fine i mean that's it that's all you need it's like look i just I, i got this thing recently which is an oud. <gasps> I mean, it just sort of, it kind of plays itself. Because, I mean, I kind of struggle with, I play guitar, but I've never really got off with guitar that well because of the frets. But this is just... See, it's just, it's fretless, so it's... Awesome. And that is, is that a Turkish in origin? Well, yeah, so Arabic, Turkish, Egyptian, Syrian. I mean, I've got this in a, in a Syrian tuning. I thought it seemed appropriate. It is beautiful. So how long have you had that? <laughs> it was bought by me probably about 15 years ago for somebody else, a guy, another guy who was in Banoffi. And then a couple of years ago, he said, oh, that oud, I don't really play it. And I'm downsizing a bit. I'm trying to chuck stuff out. It's yours if you want it. I went, all right, then we met. Well, up I'm, in pleased, York. I'm pleased to hear he's still around because I thought for a minute, because this is what happens with me in instruments is they come to me after someone has oh. gone. And that's, oh. that's beautiful. That's the reason I have a saxophone. That's the reason mm. I have a very beautiful handmade electric guitar, um, which is the most beautiful sound. Um, but they came to me for that reason. And for them, all the more the special. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Tim's still very much alive and kicking, and um, I'd really Good. like to do some work with him at some point again, because, I mean, he's, he's turned into an amazing music producer. And Okay, Tim, are you listening? David is reaching out to you, and when he reaches out to you, and when we're able to meet up together, give me a shout too, because there's nothing more that I'd like to be in, in a room with people playing stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah. So, Dave, listen, it's so lovely to talk to you. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold a few things up here in front of you. I'm going to hold this one. You see that one? Oh, hey, hello. I'm going to hold uh, this little one here. You might remember. Oh yes. Uh-huh. And this one. Oh, there and is there's one. a stream cascading. There oh. was, which I'm delighted to say, and I can't remember the reason for it, but um, I've got a little credit in there. I'm the last one on there. Uh, and Dan Gamai, thank you so much for that. That meant a lot to me at the time, oh, and still God. does. <laughs> I'm going to say it doesn't anymore, but. <laughs> Without putting you on the spot too much, if there's two pieces of light garden um, music from these that uh, I could include in the podcast, what would you choose? 
Oh, I would say San Benedetto off the last one, because that's a yep. very special one there, off Silverstream Cascading. Okay. That links right in with all the energy stuff, because that's where it's all based. That's town in Italy. Ah. I dreamed that tune with, with a dream of my teacher before I'd even met him, and there he was in the dream. And that piece of music was playing in the background in the dream, and I managed to wake up and write it down, and it, 10 years or so later it made it, it was recorded. So there it is. That's a special one for me. Now, children, that might sound a little bit woo-woo to some people, but I'm completely with David on this because what, because what happens is sometimes when you're in a dream state and you, know, you might have heard people say, uh, get a dream book, write your dreams down, and you think, what the living F are you talking about? But let me tell you something. If you get into the habit of, even if it's just on your phone, a little notepad or something, get into the habit of keeping something just to keep notes because even when you've when you've actually woken up and you think what just happened close your eyes again you'll go straight back there you'll be able to work through that dream backwards you'll remember the whole thing and you can write it down and then you make the best songs that's right kiddies listen to uncle dan where is he over there (laughs) he knows what he's on about and the thing is, if you, if you don't write it down, then it is gone. If you do write it down, you'll read it back a year, two years, ten years later, and it takes you straight back to that place. It's as vivid as if you've just had it. It's bonkers. Just like walking through a dream, you might say. Exactly. I mean, I've got books and books now, these little notebooks. I keep these little A6 thingies, and they're all full of little drawings. And whoops, where are we over there? Oh, I love it. You see, I'm not, I'm not nearly as regimented as that, but, but I d- even, even if I write uh, like bullet points from the dream, so long as I can work it back in my head and I've got a few bullet points down, then, then I'm walking, I can walk back through that dream at any time, literally. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever works for you, but for, in, in some way record it. And it might just be total gobble. I mean, the thing is, you never know whether it's something that's worth something or whether it's just something in that moment or, or just complete nonsense. And it doesn't matter. You know, that comes later. Don't judge anything that you do. Just just do it. And I think that's another thing of, yeah, just just do it. Certainly most of my writing uh, that I'm proudest of came from uh, from dreams. And, and, and sadly, death. There's a lot. <laughs> it always comes down to death in the end. You know, walking through graveyards, sitting on seats, looking at contemplating people that have gone, that sort of thing. These wonderful moments come to you. Oh, dear friend, it's so lovely to talk to you. So we're going to definitely, we're definitely going to play um, San Benedetto. San Benedetto. And uh, what other one? You should got anything else you would like me to play? Mista? Mista? <laughs> well, I suppose the, the epitaph would be Bluebells, I guess, because that's on the first. So well, I, w- I, w- I was persuaded to put <clears> that on the, on the Light Garden album. Uh, again, I didn't want to because I'd already recorded it about two or three times with Bonoffi. And then, like I said, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. Uh-huh. All right then. Uh, oh, Dave, you're you're a you're a you're a lovely fella, and um, I will play. Um, I'll play bluebells now, and then we'll um, we'll we'll end the show a bit later on with San Benedetto. Uh, lovely. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dan. Lovely to see you.
The most recent incarnation of the beautiful song Bluebells by Light Garden. That one recorded in uh, 2018 on their album. And there's a silver stream cascading. I do hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I will be playing San Benedetto at the end of the show. But for now I think there's just a little period of... uh, reflection because everybody will know somebody that has experienced loss this year and we become accustomed to hearing words that people use at these time to try and make it seem perhaps as if somebody has just passed away from sight but are all around you regardless something that I strongly believe so I wrote this little piece and um, I'll dedicate this to everybody who has lost someone in recent times it's called Don't Mourn For Me Honesty With Love When loss pays a call, you remember it all like that moment was there in your palm. What do you feel when that moment is real? Immerse, it can bring you no harm. So don't mourn for me as your thoughts drift to times that we shared in that moment just us. Open your mind up to that special time and again we are back on that bus. And don't mourn for me as you stare at that cup, the one used when I had a bath. Make up a pot of our favourite brew, let's drink it together and laugh. Don't mourn for me when a dance hits your gaze, and you think of that moment as gone, 
I'm here all around you and ready to go, so put on that old stupid song. If pain of that moment is too hard to bear, I know and I do understand. But all of the love that we shared on the way will always be holding your hand. The love that was me was pure energy and all that we have, yours and mine, remains all around and can always be found when these moments return any time. And so this we know to be true for all friends, although absent in body and sight, when feeling them close, embrace all of those, and again you're surrounded in light. So with the very special assistance again of the wonderful band Light Garden, the backing track uh, to my few words there was Walking in the Dark, another wonderful David Moss composition. What a wonderful conversation I had and how much I enjoyed that. I hope you had fun with it too. If you want to find out more about the music of Light Garden, go to lightgardenmusic.com. And if you want to find out more about David's art, we've got David Moss, Moss Arts on Facebook. So our journey today has taken us from Whitby to Glazedale, through the imaginary worlds of Douglas Adams, an even more ridiculous and bizarre world that we actually live in. But there's one place that uh, we now have to go to because uh, David requested a song that was very special to him that was born of a dream and I did enjoy that conversation. I share so much with what he was talking about. So let us take each other by the hand and enter the wonderful dream world that is also a real place known as San Benedetto in Italy. And here is the music as Dave dreamt, wrote down and eventually recorded. Would you take my hand for this dance through the beauty that is San Benedetto?
Thank you for your company today. We Are The Weather comes to wherever you are via the Anchor podcast platform. Support donations are always welcome via patreon.com forward slash we are the weather. It's okay to not be okay. <laughs>